HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food and beverage radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in the rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you sun in the air. Welcome back to The Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. And I'm Greg Benson. Oh my God, Greg, it's the first day of March. I know, we made it. We did it. We got through February, man. That was, uh, you know, there are so many people who decided to do dry February instead of dry January because it's uh, a few days shorter. So now no one has uh, an excuse to... uh, to listen to the show and have a drink with us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. Welcome to moist March, everybody. We, yeah. <laughs> we made it. Pat yourselves on the back if you did dry February. Mine lasted about 72 hours this year. Um, nice. But you know what? That's good. It's an accomplishment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also, I mean, I also did it to be to be uh, slightly serious, which is I know is a thing that we uh, try not to do if at all possible on the speakeasy. But it is, even if... Um, you don't make it all the way like the whole the whole spirit of like doing a whole month like white knuckling it all the way through seeing if you can do it to me seems like you're kind of in it for the wrong reasons like maybe to prove something to yourself but i think if you just spend a month as i tried to being a little bit more mindful and like when you open the fridge be like am i reaching for a beer out of habit or just because you know it's late and i'm parched and i want a fun bubbly treat like even if you just do that and kind of check in with yourself um I think it's, it's, you know, it's better. It's better to kind of like re-examine your relationship with alcohol than just, you know, send it a Dear John letter and then come back four weeks later and be like, I'm so sorry. You're the love of my life. I've missed you. <laughs> How could I ever live without you? Oh, my God. Yeah, that's totally true. Oh, um, man. Well, it's, you know, it's, we're also edging into spring, uh, which is great. Uh, today is the first day of Women's History Month, which is awesome. We're going to have a lot of great oh, yeah. guests on uh, for that. It's Daylight Savings on the 12th. Um, which I'm also very excited about. I mean, I, I love spring and um, uh, there's also another holiday coming up uh, in a couple of weeks, St. Patrick's day, which is on the 17th, which is a Friday. So for those of you who, uh, you know, observe that holiday, uh, have fun, be safe. But for those of you who don't uh, maybe work from home that day. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> and for those of you who are working in a bar that day, uh, be sure to order your riot gear now. So it arrives in time. Yeah, exactly. Because Amazon doesn't do overnight delivery anymore. Um, so, <laughs> but you know, there's uh, there's a lot of good stuff happening in the spring, and uh, I, you know, March is always fun. Uh, so, uh, you know, in, in speaking of uh, Women's History Month, we actually have a really awesome guest on today. You know, we've been doing the radio show here, at least I have for this is our 502nd episode uh, over 12 years. Um, how long have you been on with us now? It's been so. It'll be. I think my first show was March of 2019. So it's four years. Oh, there you go. Wild. It's like I've never, I've never had a relationship that lasted four years. <laughs> I've never like since I moved out of my childhood home. I've never lived in the same place for four years. I don't think I've had a job at the same place for four years. So to think that I've been doing this for four years straight for close to 200 episodes now is 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 nuts. And it's been really awesome to be a part of this and. Um, <laughs> shepherd us through the transition from uh being face to face and eating pizza to doing this from you know our various closets and basements um and also you know once again thanks for uh for all the listeners for sticking with us for you know that that weird transition 
through uh, through the crazy times, and here coming out on the on the other side where it's spring, hooray! Yeah, exactly. And you know, the cool thing about this show is that we can talk about really pretty much anything we want to talk about because you know it is a drink show, but you can relate alcohol or non-alcohol drinks to literally anything, any subject. That's why bars are such a great place to talk with rando people because you can really relate to anything, uh, anyone and anything. Um, so, uh, in that spirit, uh, you know, we talked a lot on this show about, you know, those different things you can do, whether it's be being a consultant or a distiller, winemaker, uh, author, journalist, radio host, for instance, and mm-hmm. today we're actually going to tap into that with Ashley Smith. And she actually comes from the world of radio and now works with wine enthusiasts for their show called Thin Famous. And I, this is going to be fun because, you know, you and I both, uh, I, I was in radio before I started doing uh, Booze and Spirits podcasts in uh, this radio show. And you've been doing this for a long time as well before. Uh, you came on board with the speakeasy. So we're going to be talking some, some radio shop today. Are you excited about that? <laughs> we're excited about that. No. Yeah. And, I, and I, I was even saying, as we were getting set up, I was like, Oh, this is going to be so nice. Like talking you through like how, you know, the podcast works because you already know all of this. It's so nice working with, uh, with people who know all the ins and outs of, you know, the recording platforms and everything. So Ashley Smith, thank you so, so much for joining us on the show today. We're really stoked to have you and uh, talk shop and hear about some fun wine crimes. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It, I can definitely tell that I'm with some like former radio people because your voices are very much like radio voices. Oh, it's, I love it's, it. it's all whiskey and cigarettes over here. Right. My, right. my actual my actual voice kind of sounds like Millhouse from The Simpsons. I just put this voice on just for the just for the listeners, you know. Right. Um. But yeah, tell us. I'm I'm super I'm super excited to it drops today. So congratulations on uh, launch day for Vinfamous. I'm super stoked to listen to the pilot episode later. So don't don't give any spoilers, mostly for the listeners, but also for me. But can you tell us a little bit about uh, about the show and particularly how you came to be involved in this project and a little bit about what it what what y'all talk about? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we are recording this on launch day. Very very exciting. We've been working on this uh, since early last year, like summer last year, I think. Uh, Vinfamous is all about wine crimes and scandals. Uh, We are doing the first season uh, will be six episodes every other week. So right now we just dropped the trailer and the first episode, which is called Murder in the Vineyard, to give you a little hint about what it is about. Um, Basically, the premise for the podcast is that Every glass of wine tells a story, and usually those stories are about, you know, the flavors, the techniques, the the setting, the craftsmanship, you know, all of these beautiful things that go into a good glass of wine. But this podcast gets into the darker side of wine, the underbelly of the wine world. We cover uh, theft and fraud and arson and sabotage and even murder. It's truly very scandalous, and it has been a dream to work on, which I guess sounds maybe weird when I'm talking about <laughs> murder, but uh, as someone who comes Not when you from... pair murder with podcasts, everybody <laughs> loves, that's like, that's, that's like chocolate and peanut butter. They just yeah. go together so well. Yeah. That is very, very true. And I, I have, uh, I've worked on like true crime podcasts. Uh, so for me, it was just kind of second nature as someone who loves wine and who is interested in true crime to uh to do this show uh it's in partnership with pod people which i'm a professional podcaster now a podcast host and producer so i don't work in radio anymore um but being like independent or freelance you find these communities like pod people and that's how i was connected with wine enthusiast and that's how i got this incredible gig to host vinfamous and um yeah i'm i'm really really hoping that people like the show as much as I like the show and I liked making it. Well, you know, talking about radio transitioning into podcasting, I, I want to talk just at the top of the show here about the difference between radio and podcasts. So for us, this show to me is considered a radio it's talk radio. Mm-hmm. We do very little prep other than booking the guests, you know, and, and like, you know, like reading a book or a bag, like there's very little, like production uh, for us, for the host. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying this for, for Armin because, you know, 
they put a lot of work into it. But for Greg and Souther and I, you know, we we just book the shows and we talk to you. You actually go through and do a lot of research and you produce the show and stitch it together beautifully with some background music and different sound bites and all this stuff. Like, there's a lot more work I think that goes into podcasting than than what we do here, at least for, as hosts. So I just wanted to, I mean, wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, just hearing what we sound like so far. <laughs> <laughs> I think it it really depends on the show that you're putting together. But I do think that a lot more work goes into everything I do in podcasting way more yeah. than what I used to do in radio. And I think the definition of both radio and a podcast now is is so like fluid and ever changing. Um, and, and they are kind of interchangeable sometimes. Uh, it, it's really hard to kind of pin down the the difference, I guess. But right. in my background, I was uh, on commercial radio stations that played alternative music usually. So I was, I don't come from like a public radio background where it's like NPR and news and that kind of thing. I I was the person who talked for 15 seconds between, you know, Nirvana and Florence the Machine, basically. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and now working with, um, with pod people, I'm just the host of Infamous, but they have uh, this whole team of editors and sound designers and producers that made the show what it is. And, um, you know, wine enthusiast has the contacts and, and the wine knowledge and, um, you know, the idea for this show. So it all kind of came together, but there were a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of creative minds involved. Right. It, it takes a village, man. It takes Absolutely. a village to raise a podcast. Um, but I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit about how sort of the, the origin story is like, what was the, what was the kind of, how did the show come together? What was the seed that eventually grew into this, this vineyard of intrigue and murder that you're talking about on Binfamous? Especially with you coming from radio and podcasting. And then, you know, like for Greg and I and Souther, you know, we're, we're bar owners and journalists and, and, you know, brand ambassadors and we've been in, you know, we've been bartenders forever, you know, and so we can't, we, we come from that side, but you were saying uh, before that you actually never worked in this industry before. So I think that's really interesting and, you know, kind of to back up what I was saying before about the fact that like you can be in this industry without being a bartender. Right. Um, and I think, or a sommelier in your, uh, your case. Right. So uh, yeah, tell us about some of that origin uh, detail. Sure. Yeah, I know. I feel I was looking at you know your past guests and listening to earlier episodes, and I was like, oh no, <laughs> I don't have anything of like I don't have any knowledge from from that side of the world to offer. But um, I can speak to you know how I came to be involved in this project, which was joining the Pod People community. When you um, you know join as like an independent podcast producer, you kind of make this wish list of like, hey, what projects would you want to work on? And me like coming kind of hobbies or interests. Yeah. yeah. Like what, yeah. what are your dream? Uh, like what are your favorite podcasts? And then what kind of, you know, podcasts or projects would you like to work on? And for me, I was like, How well, can I drink wine and talk about murder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think I even said like, well, I, you know, I of course would love to do, you know, another true crime show or like a weird history show. Uh, that was like my original podcast. And then I think I said, Oh, if there was ever a podcast about, you know, wine and like, true crime related history related I would love to do that and I really didn't think it would ever happen and then I saw that um they had posted wine enthusiast was looking for a host of their new show uh infamous so I don't know how wine enthusiast came to have this incredible idea but if I can imagine uh, they already have another podcast where they talk about wine and like the inner workings of the wine world uh, the nuts and bolts of it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I know they wanted to do something, um, you know, more nitty gritty uh, with a bit sure. of, you know, storytelling and narrative. Uh, and as someone who listens to podcasts about true crime and and wine, I know that there are a bunch where people drink wine and talk about true crime, and then there's a bunch where people just drink wine and talk about wine. But I don't know that there are any other podcasts that are about crimes in the wine world and that's what kind of sets Vinfamous apart that's very cool I, I can tell you my theory on how they came up with that idea um, <laughs> it involved many bottles of wine probably <laughs> yeah <laughs> just some spitballing yeah I mean that it's it's funny how you know sometimes the idea is almost just like right in front of you like you said you know you're listening to and listening to and producing 
you know, true crime podcast and some wine podcast. And then you're like, well, why can't you, why can't you do both? It's like the ultimate mashup. Yeah. Um, combine the two. <laughs> yeah. Boom. There you go. And it's greater than some of its parts. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm really happy with, with how it turned out and that we were um, able to tell such interesting stories respectfully because each episode also involves the people right. around the scandal or yeah. the crime. So we talked to, you know, journalists and authors, we talked to lawyers, we talked to, um, you know, people that are actually involved or close to the case. We like, we even talked to like a former sommelier for French laundry, um, about, you know, some wine heists that took place. That's, right. that's, a, that's coming yeah. later in the season. That's not the first episode, but, uh, yeah, stuff like that. It's, it's great to be able to get to that source so that you get the real story. And specifically with the first episode in true crime, uh, you want to do that in an ethical way. And so you want to, you know, be talking to people who actually knew the, the victim of this crime, who can speak to who they were and what really happened, and then treat that story really respectfully. I was going to ask because, you know, that's a, that could be one of those situations where there's no, no such bet, no such thing as bad publicity. Right. But mm -hmm. then, you know, people can be really touchy, especially, and, you know, I can say this with a lot of confidence because I come from the spirit side. Um, Wine people can be really uh, protective. Uh, I'm using that term, you know, I'm being very, you know, just, just hear about like how I say this. Um, but they're very protective about their IP and their their story and their history. And sometimes if there's something scandalous that happened, they might not want to talk about it or put it out there. But I think it's actually, we live in a different culture now where we need to be kind of wide open it's like you know if you're trying to like sweep it under the rug or you know cork it <laughs> um you know it's then then you kind of come across as i don't know like i don't know just it kind of it's like this, this unnecessary like secretive kind of thing where it's like just just talk about it people respect you more if you just talk about it. And so I think there's a neat angle there for getting people on board for the show. Right. Yeah. Did you find that? Absolutely. I think there's a lot of layers to the, the people that work in the wine world. Um, you know, you hear about the, of course, like the wine snobs of the world, I guess, but I think they're just really protective of right. um, the artistry of, of wine. And so I guess you wouldn't want to talk about, you know, the the darker side when you could instead like just speak on something delicious and beautiful this like piece of art this piece of history like we we get into that a lot too uh in the show talking about you know what really goes into making wine and you know what really happens or, or what it really means when wine is destroyed or these kinds of things happen in the wine world because um we we wanted to examine the value of wine beyond the monetary value. Cause like it is hard. Right. It is like it's art, it's history, it's time traveling in a glass, you know, it's, it's, it's very, very um, important in, I mean, you guys talk about, you know, spirits and wine and beer and on all these delicious beverages. And I, I guess maybe you could speak on like, if, if wine is maybe held up at, to a higher standard or, or yeah. something than, than other spirits. I mean, here's the main thing that I think we should all know. And we, I think that everyone should kind of just take a step back and realize that these are all agricultural products made by farmers, mm -hmm. essentially, you know, and that's, there's something to be said about the the humble beginnings of what a grape is or what, what a grain is, you know, uh, or an apple, a pear before they become an agave plant, especially, you know, um, there's, there's so much agriculture and love that goes into raising these, these plants first, uh, that has to happen first. And then also kind of, I mean, maintaining grapevines, it's like just insane. Um, and there's, there's a lot that goes into that. And a lot of people that are responsible for it, that don't get the, 
the the praise that they should and they deserve to get you know it's like you you have to start with the raw material and the raw material takes a lot of hands to to produce you know and you know it's that's one of the things that gets me a lot of times it's like because i work in napa and i go to all these different wineries and tasting rooms and you know there's like there's really really fancy places in napa you know and uh and they all want to come across with this high luxury kind of thing but you know i always look at it because i'm a farm kid from oklahoma i look at it and i'm like i i just can't help but think about the rows of of vines and like how much work went into that first the wine and i'm not discounting the the craftsmanship of the winemakers themselves and the the like the barrel room managers and, and you know all this it's you know it's just take it back down to what it is and then like Stop, stop tripping, you know, about like, yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I don't disagree at all, Damon. And, and, um, you know, I absolutely, I will a hundred percent, you know, bang on that timpani with you that it takes just as much craft and skill to make like an excellent Pinot Noir as it does to make like a delicious, really crushable lager that you want to drink, but it's, you know, 90 degrees outside. Like, right. I, you know, no one can walk in off the street and make either product, but right. I also do think when I think of the world of wine, there is just, you know, through centuries and centuries and centuries of the way these grapes were cultivated and who could grow grapes in the world versus places where it was too cold to grow grapes efficiently. Like there is a sort of cachet to that, which is something that I wanted to to ask you about, Ashley, is like when I think of, uh, you know, true crime and wine uh, it seems to me like it's a very different kind of crime than you would expect if we're talking, if your podcast was about, say, the construction industry in New Jersey, right? Uh, <laughs> like, this is very much, you know, I think of it as kind of the the art realm, as kind of like art heists uh, committed by these, you know, sure. dapper, you know, gentlemen thieves and tuxedos. Is, is that, is that, am I way off? Do I have sort of a romantic image of it? Or is it kind of very much that, that more sort of... Um, I don't know. Does does the crime around wine have the same cachet as wine <laughs> itself? I guess that's the kernel of my question. Well, Greg, I mean, like she just mentioned the uh, the French Laundry wine heist. That was like, what was it? Like something like fifty grand worth of wine, or oh gosh, I think it was zero or hundreds. Yeah, hundreds yeah. of thousands of dollars worth of wine stolen. But even I think in that episode, which will come out later in the season, uh, we talk about you know whether this was a sophisticated crime or whether the um, the burglars, the the wine thieves were sophisticated in their crimes. Um, and it's just so hard to say. Uh, we also cover on another episode the Rudy Kurniawan um, wine scandal where he was, um, you know, making fake wine. Or really he was selling um, oh, right. cheaper bottles of wine that he had kind of mismatched together. Uh, for a lot of money and like defrauding a lot of people. Uh, so we'll get into that at some point in the season. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I kind of think of it that way too, where everyone kind of has like a monocle and a mustache and they're drinking like a really <laughs> fancy yeah. bottle of wine and talking about... It's like about... the D.B. Cooper kind of thing where yeah. it's like, you know, they're just like the coolest, like, is, do you think there'll ever be like a, a national, like... French Laundry Wine Eyes Day, uh, where like everyone gets together, like there's a, a festival, like conference. I don't know, um, but you know. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, Maybe. you never know. Uh, yeah, uh, I. But I do think it's it's actually more pedestrian than we realize, um, or more common certainly than we realize. I had no idea mm. that there was so much of this going on, so much fraud, so much theft and like scandal in the wine world. I was really shocked when we like started to dig into these stories. So I want to ask you as, as a journalist, and this is actually something I've always wanted to ask a true crime reporter. This is just the first time I've gotten the chance to do it. <laughs> um, how do you, how do you sort of square that? Because I mean, you know, I am not immune to the allure of, of true crime. I'm more of a cult documentary man myself, but it's very much in the same wheelhouse. But how do you, as someone who's reporting on this kind of square, the crimes that you're reporting with, with, you know, the fact that these are actual people that actual bad things happen to and kind of what is your approach to kind of reporting on that in a way that is informative and sensitive and entertaining at the same time? Right. I think that again goes into involving people who were 
connected to the crime or the victim in some way. Um, I do another podcast, which is only about cold cases here in Washington state. So for me, when I do that show, it's I'm trying to help. I'm trying to shine light on something that still needs to be solved. So I'm not just talking about it to talk about it. I'm talking about it to try and find a new lead, maybe something that was dropped. I'm trying to bring more attention to this case in the hopes that, you know, something happens with it and it can finally be resolved. And when it comes to Vinfamous, we cover cases that have already been through the court system. They've already, like one already has a documentary out about it. You know, we've, we're covering new ground in a way, but these are stories that kind of already have a beginning, middle and end. So we're not theorizing about, you know, what happened or or why they did it. We know why they did it and we're going to tell you. Uh, So that's really where I guess that kind of comes in. Um, It would probably be kind of insensitive to, uh, to the people who like suffered these like murders and deaths and in their families that are cold cases. Absolutely. Uh, talking about wine. They're like, where, where's this bottle of Chateau Lafitte? Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's still, talk about the real crime here. Yeah, yeah <laughs> totally. That's what we didn't want to do, but we, uh, I think we, we were successful in that. Uh, yeah. Only the first episode is uh, about murder and we, you know, we're as sensitive as we could be. And and we talked to, you know, the victim's uh, friends and the private investigator involved and um, made sure that people knew how wonderful this person was uh, and that what happened to him was truly a tragedy. Wow. I mean, like, I can't wait to listen to this first episode. Um, <laughs> but Especially hey, being so local to it. Yeah. I know. I know. I'm going to, is it, is it already up today? It is. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm going to listen to this on my way out to Napa today. I can't wait. Um, but you, you get to be right in the setting. That's I know. Wild. I know. I'm going to have a completely different perspective uh, yeah. of my workplace now. But uh, let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Uh, when we get back, we'll continue talking with Ashley Smith from Infamous. Back in a second. Every glass of wine tells a story. And these stories reveal hidden histories, flavors, passions, And sometimes they unravel our darkest desires. In Wine Enthusiast's newest podcast, Vinfamous, journalist Ashley Smith dissects the underbelly of the wine world. We hear from the people who know what it means when the product of love and care becomes the source of greed, arson, even murder. Each episode takes listeners into the mysterious and historic world of winemaking and the crimes that have since become, well, Vinfamous. This podcast pairs well with wine lovers, history nerds, and crime junkies. So grab a glass of your favorite and follow the podcast to join as we delve into the twists and turns behind the all-time most shocking wine crimes. Follow Vinfamous on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen, and be sure to follow the show so you never miss a scandal. New episodes drop every other Wednesday. Cheers. This episode is supported by HRN business member, Analytics Solutions. Analytics Solutions empower business owners to confidently make informed decisions and positively impact profitability. They provide a host of technology-enabled solutions for small to mid-sized businesses across a range of industries, including restaurants, food service delivery, and restaurant consulting. Visit A-N-A-L-Y-T-I-X dot com to learn more. Analytics Solutions supports HRN's creative, educational reporting and storytelling that drive conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we're back. You're listening to The Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network today. And in the studio, we have Ashley Smith from Bithmas. And we were talking about this awesome show that airs today. Congratulations again on that. Thank um, you. And we've been talking about the kind of like true crime in the wine industry. And what a great concept. I, I was wondering where a lot of these stories get sourced from. I mean, I know that like we we had mentioned the uh, the French Laundry, kind of uh, the, the theft, the Art theft, uh, the monocle, mustachioed, uh, <laughs> turtleneck wearing. I, it makes me think of that, like, uh, body moving video from Beastie Boys. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Right? Something like that. 
Um, but you know, we talked about some of these different things, and, and we mentioned the uh, the first episode, which is uh, Murder in the Vineyard. And I was just wondering, like, where where these stories come from and how you source them? Uh, is it something internal? Is it from the organization? Do you go out and find them yourself, get the scoop? <laughs> yeah, well, the great thing about um, this being brand new and in season one is you have so much to choose from. Literally hundreds and hundreds of years of, of stories to kind of pick through. And it was really a collaboration between the folks at Wine Enthusiast and um, our producer, Danielle, at, at Pod People and, and the whole team there to uh, hammer down six of the most interesting, intriguing, and um, eclectic stories, I guess. We wanted like a broad um, genre of, of things to talk about. So there will be um, an episode on, you know, arson, an episode on sabotage. And then our first episode is, of course, about um, murder. It takes place in 2015 in Napa Valley. It's a business deal gone bad, turned into a legal battle, turned into, unfortunately, a deadly negotiation. And we get into uh, exactly how that comes to be, all of the the details, what happened, and then, of course, the aftermath. Oh, um, is, this the, is this the murder that happened, like, on the rooftop of that restaurant in downtown Napa? No, but will you send me that for season yeah, two, please? Yeah, okay, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. Okay, cool, sorry. Yeah, continue, please. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't want to give, you know, too much away, but... Um, I wasn't going to say so much. I'll, I'll email you that one later. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to. I think you brought up um, like the laborers that work in the yeah. wine industry and how that could. I mean, I know that there are scandals around that. It's something I'd love to to visit in season two. But that that's basically, um, you know, how we find these stories is you scour the internet and then you see which. Um, you know, stories have a, a conclusion. Maybe it's not, you know, a too recent thing because then it's still kind of unfolding and you want to be able to give as much detail as possible uh, and a conclusion for the listener. Um, so, you know, we look at, at what fits that criteria and then, you know, who wants to talk to us basically. Because yeah. as you said before, it, it is hard to get uh, a foot in the door in the wine world because it's, I think, a very kind of protective, tight-knit community in a way. Uh, but that's where where wine enthusiast comes in yeah. great. And it's very protected in the wine community, but like in the spirit side, you know, they kind of like romanticize it. Like this was this pirate's rum and they killed this many people. And then <laughs> they were shot by uh, Thomas Jefferson who, uh, <laughs> well, oh, wait a minute. Actually, wasn't there a scandal with Thomas Jefferson's wine? Didn't someone like buy a fake bottle of Thomas Jefferson's like. They, oh, yeah. We'll yeah. get to that. We'll get yeah, to okay, that. Cool. <laughs> I'm not giving it all away. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm just okay. fascinated by this. Like, I, I just love the stories. Honestly, it's the whole reason why I'm in this industry, the the bar, restaurant, booze industry in the first place is because, you know, I come from a graphic design background and I I would sit at the bar and just listen to people tell stories all the time. And I was like, this is the coolest. And, you know, I was 19 years old. I shouldn't have been in there. So I got, <laughs> I, so I have a lot of stories. I have more stories than I guess most uh, <laughs> as far as going back to 21. <laughs> Uh, I got a head start, as it were, but um, but yeah, it's, I think you're right about the the difference between you know the wine industry is very protective, and so it's really cool that you you've got people to open up about this and these stories and kind of I want to say expose, uh, just really enlighten in a lot of ways, and I think I, like I said, I can't wait to get into this show. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like it's it's fascinating. It's a it's something you just don't really hear about that often, or at least I certainly didn't as um, someone who doesn't work in the world of wine. A lot of these stories were brand new to me and I didn't know all the details and I wanted to get to the bottom of, you know, what happened. And then, you know, when you get a, a good story you know, you can't wait to share it with people. So um, yeah, absolutely. I, I hope people again, love the, this season as much as I enjoyed making it because I really do think these are some, some really fascinating stories. I agree. Um, and, you know, really when it comes down to it, I think that's what we just do is like, it's kind of like our human nature is to, especially, you know, yeah, on a social level, we, we, we all want to know like this, these interesting details and these stories and backstories. I mean, it happens with the wine itself and with the spirits and cocktails and just, uh, you know, and beyond just alcohol, but everyone wants to know 
you know, the story behind this thing and like, why, why this? And what, what is it? And where did it come from? And what monks made it for a thousand years? Like <laughs> there must've been a scandal in there. Right. Um, but you know, like I just, you know, I, I see it firsthand uh, every week in, the, in, in wine country where, you know, as far as a lot of the wineries go, it's, they talk about the vineyard sites with the wine varietals and like a little bit of story about the owners. And a lot of times I'm not trying to play down the wine industry, but you know, there's a, there's a lot of changing of hands of wineries. It's not necessarily a lot of people who start their own wineries these days, they buy other vineyards and wineries. And so they kind of adopt the history along with it, or they buy the history. If, if there is any kind of profound history, um, and they just want to promote, uh, in a romantic way and, you know, sell like the luxury. And so I love this and it's like, not in a way that's like, I drink wine all the time. I'm not a wine hater. I just love stories. So like, especially <laughs> these, I watch, I watch like bones and castle and psych and all these like detective shows and like, uh, only murders in the building, which is a TV show about podcasting about true crime. Yep. Um, you know, and like, I just, I, it's, this is totally my kind of, this is like the perfect mashup of the things that I like. So awesome. You're, you're going to be our number one fan. I can feel it. <laughs> I am. I'm going to listen to it right after this, <laughs> but I actually, uh, you know, I, just to kind of geek out a little bit, um, we've talked a lot about the, the show and the production and, and some of the kind of stories not to give too much away. Um, but what we talked about at the top of the show today was the fact that often, most times, you know, over over 500 episodes now, um, we that's are amazing, talking. By the way, sorry, not to interrupt you, oh, but like thank you, that's thank you. unbelievable in the podcast world. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, yeah. congratulations <laughs> on you. over 500 episodes. That's awesome. I feel thank every you. one of them too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but th yeah, thank you so much for that. Um, but the thing is, we mostly talk about very, very direct relations to the bar or the distillery. Um, we get a lot of authors on and journalists. We get, you know, we get to talk about it. This is the first time that I can remember. Um, I mean, we've definitely had people on who do podcasts, but like, uh, but you know, they're, they're kind of involved in the actual business of booze as well. This is the first time we've had someone on who's like, just directly just you are a radio person. So I want to talk to you uh, about some geeky stuff real quick um, about hosting radio shows. Okay. Do you have a favorite microphone? <laughs> uh, you know what? So everyone loves like the Shure SM7B. That's like the yeah. end all be all. Um, but I've really been enjoying the, um, they're like newer, smaller, more podcaster on the go friendly version right. of that mic, which is the MB7 from Shure. Um, it's just like so much easier to use and, it, and you can still do XLR. Um, you don't have to do right. USB, but um, I don't know. It's just, I'm, I'm all about the ease. I used to want like the, the fanciest microphone and the nicest setup and, and everything is soundproofed and, and, and perfect. But now I'm just kind of going with the flow. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I used to use a Shure KSM 27. Um, then I, I started using, uh, I've got one of the blue, uh, one of the blue uh, cardioid condenser mics with the, the basket, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, pop filters and all this stuff. But honestly, these days, I, you know, I really like, I mean, blue also makes a, uh, a very podcast easy, like type package that you, you know, can, like you said, on the go podcaster. Um, so, I mean, like the world has changed, the audio world has changed and kind of adapted to that very, uh, on the go ease. I mean, we used to all run around with those zoom recorders oh, and, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, which are great. I mean, they're great for like, say whenever, when we take the show to, uh, like Barcom in Brooklyn or tales of the cocktail and we're on the street and we want to get quick sound bites, uh, you know, cause you're running around the town and you're just seeing like hundreds of thousands of people who are in the industry from all over the world. And you'll run into people and it's like, Oh, I just need to get a quick interview. Um, it's better than the the iPhone mic uh, and recording, um, but uh, which is like surprisingly good. Yeah, um, yeah, like not for top top quality, but 
am, I'm kind of shocked. Like, I feel like the tech uh, has really kind of caught up with demand in a lot exactly. of ways. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's what's kind of cool about this medium too, is that it's it makes the bar to entry super, super low. And it's very, it's it's democratizing and a little bit infuriating because if everyone can make a podcast, <laughs> right. everyone will make a podcast. Oh, and yeah. we're kind of seeing that. But, you know, the, people still know what good is. Like people still know what good storytelling is. People still know what good audio is. And it's cool that you don't need you know, the fanciest, shiniest tools anymore. What you need is a good sense of story and yeah. dogged reporting and, uh, you know, someone more talented than me to make music in the background. <laughs> and just like, you know, something that, that can tell these stories that are messy and intricate and have all these moving parts and different people. And I'm sure in the realm of two crime people who might not necessarily want to talk to you about exactly what happened yeah. and put all those together into something that, you know, like, like we're talking about, like all the cool things we love behind the bar tells an intriguing story, you know? You know, it's funny because at the very beginning of the pandemic, I was helping out um, here in San Rafael, California. I was helping out my buddies at their uh, music store, uh, guitar, audio store. And the pandemic hit and they kind of shut down a little bit, but they were still open for, you know, like curbside pickup and like a little bit of storefront. Uh, and it was like a little kind of stanchioned off at the front. And um, they weren't letting anyone come in and like touch guitars or drum kits or pianos or anything like that. But, you know, you could, you could come up and, buy some guitar strings or whatever, or a cable. And the only thing that you could really look at was this giant display of like Steinberg and Scarlett uh, audio interfaces, podcast mics and headphones. And that was like, it just became a podcast equipment store and they sold so much stuff at the very <laughs> beginning of the pandemic. So it was like banana bread, uh, starting yeast uh your your, your sourdough, sourdough yeast yeah. Yeah, your sourdough starter uh and podcasting but then you know now it's been a couple of years and uh I was talking with the the the, the owner of the store there's two of them actually um and two stores that is and he was like man you know it's funny it's like a couple of years later a lot of these people come in they have these these podcast kits and they're wanting to see if we want to buy them back or if they can return them all this time later because they're like they realize that it's not as easy as it seems, you know, mm -hmm. it's like the, the equipment is very available. It's, it's, it's really available and it's not expensive. I mean, I think those sure mics with the USB are like 200 bucks or less, maybe um, somewhere around there. Um, but it really is, it comes down to the content uh, of your show and how you produce it. And, you know, the equipment's one thing. I mean, that's the reason why also uh, most people have like, a guitar sitting in the corner of their apartment that's <laughs> yeah. covered in dust, you know, because it seems like a good idea and it seems cool and it is, but it's more work than it looks like, you know, or yeah. sounds like rather. In this it case. really reminds me, I actually went to college for photography and that was like one of our main principles was like, you can buy the fanciest camera, you can spend so much money, but if you don't know how to use that thing, if you don't have an eye for it, um, you know, you're just going to take the same picture that your, you know, your grandma would of like your graduation or something <laughs> like it's not going to be as good. You need that, that, um, you know, special creative spark or, or at least like the gumption to learn how to make it the best it can be. And the same goes for, for podcasting. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. What we're saying is don't podcast without adult supervision. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The wine makes it easier, right? Yeah. <laughs> Certainly makes this podcast a lot easier to work on, um, or may, or maybe it just makes it feel that way. I'm yeah, not sure. exactly. <laughs> um, but speaking of wine, I, I kind of want to. You know, we've talked about journalism. We've talked about like pursuing these stories, the crimes, the equipment, all of that. But you know, let's let's get let's give the people what they came here for. What are what are some of your favorite wines, and how do you get into <laughs> being interested in the world of wine and wanting to sort of combine your your twin passions as as everyone, I guess, in the studio has today of journalism and drinking. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm new to that, <laughs> which is super <laughs> exciting. I'm, I'm still waiting. I don't, I don't think wine enthusiasts have sent me a bottle of wine yet, but, um, I what? Hope oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm, um, I, I do love wine, but yeah, I've never worked for a winery. I've never worked in a bar. 
um, I've always, <laughs> I, I worked at radio for 12 years. So that was like, you know, my first job out of college. Uh, and I would drink, you know, the two buck chuck and like the, the cheapest stuff that you can find. Um, but nowadays I love what we call natty wine, which is, you know, low intervention, natural wine. That's really, um, my favorite. And there's, in particular, this place in Oregon, which I think Oregon just has some of the best natural wine. I don't know what it is about the Willamette Valley, but so good. Um, it's called Holden Farms. And it's just this oh, like yeah. one guy, <laughs> he barely ever puts out wine, but he made my favorite wine of all time, which is this like skin contact Sauvignon Blanc that was so fresh and fruity. I think I bought like five or six bottles. It was so hard to find. And this was in 2016 or 2017, but anytime I saw it, um, on a list or at the store, um, which, I mean, that was when you could barely even find natural wine in any stores, um, I would just snatch it up and I miss it so much. It's, I mean, I, that's like, I guess I am really passionate about wine because I can just like taste that wine. I can picture it in my head right now and I wish I could have it again, but that's the problem with natural wine is you can't really like stock up and age it. It doesn't age right. well. Um, yeah. So that's a bummer. <laughs> well, it's, it is, it's, it's a bummer, but it's also, I think Greg and I, we're going to say the same thing. It is a bummer, but it also it's, you know, it's like be here now, you know? <laughs> sure. Yeah. 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 yeah drink, you know, don't, it's uh, what's, what does Souther always say about his collection is bar at home. It's not at a museum. It's an amusement park, you know? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I was, I was going to say, I love, I love the natural wine craze and I love how that is, Echoing something that I think we've seen um, happening throughout the food world for maybe probably like the last 30 years, where if, you know, the story of the late um, 20th century when it comes to food and drink and everybody's palates is one of homogenization and smoothing things out. You know, you go to the store and there is one type of tomato, three types of ice cream, two types of cheese. You know, it's like, you know, there there is the 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 apple. It comes in three different fla three different colors, but they all kind of taste like mush. and <laughs> You know, you had that with the world of, you can really see this in the world of scotch where like blended scotch was really, uh, you know, the the gold standard and single malt was something that like, you know, weirdos and kooks drank who liked that smoky flavor, which I think is still kind of true. But, you know, I think we're, we're coming around to re-embracing a lot of the subtleties and the processes. And I don't want to use the word flaws, but let's just call them the, the characters. Yeah, exactly. The characters and like almost the the entropy that goes into making these things where it's like these are products that are made by nature. Nature is an unpredictable thing. You're going to get flavors in here that, you know, you might not expect. And instead of authoring them out, we're kind of saying, oh, this is interesting. And we're we're celebrating them, which I think is really nifty. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that is like something that is so cool about natural wine like even though it's trendy now it's like become a thing now doing this podcast I learned that that was just the way it used to be that was the original way that you made wine and uh one of the episodes that that we get into is about a, a famous Italian winemaker who has his like incredible wine sabotaged um he had this sustainable system you know before a lot of other people did and he was so passionate about it and um, I think that's really interesting that we're kind of revisiting the original ways of low intervention winemaking. And while it, it doesn't age the best, so you can't really stock up on it. Um, it, it does keep you here in the now and you never really know what you're going to get when you pop a bottle. It's a, a lot of really unique flavors and, um, yeah, I, th I think that's kind of special about it. So that doing this podcast and learning that made me love natural wine all the more. You know, I feel like we could go another hour talking about natural wine. <laughs> we'll just have we'll to have, have you back, back on, on for season show. two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we talk but, about that rooftop murder. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, you know, I agree with you. I'm super psyched about natural wine and where it's at. And, you know, having lived in Brooklyn for the last 20 years, I've seen like all the kind of resurgence of like natural like fermentation in like all these cool hip things, you know, that your corner and our corner over there of the United States kind of tend to lean in on. Uh, the first time I had natural wine was in New York. So yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, I, I think it's such a cool thing. And also 
what a conversation piece whenever you get to try some natural wine with someone. It's like, that's the cool thing to me. I, I never really uh, sit and drink natural wine by myself. It's always like such a conversation starter. And yeah, it's, it's always so, so fun unique. to share. Yeah. And like see what everyone tastes and, um, you know, how weird is this bottle? Look at how, you know, funky and like, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, fermented it looks, I guess. You know, you get that like um, the sediment at the bottom and it gets kind of murky and the darker the color. I love like a good orange wine. So like the darker that color is, I'm like, oh, I know this is going to be good. <laughs> yeah. One of uh, one of the wineries I'm a member at in Napa, uh, they do a, a natural Merlot. So it's like to Merlot that's just got all that crazy acidity and funk to it. And it's just like, it is an incredible pairing with food. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, we're going to we gotta have you back on to talk about all of our favorite natural wines. But also, you should swing down here if you're ever in uh, Northern California. We can take a tour of some of these wineries and uh, maybe do some investigative reporting uh, out there in the field. Together. There you go. I'll, I'll bring the Zoom recorder for season two. We'll, we'll get into it. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been awesome. Greg, don't you agree? I mean, what a, what a great way to kick off March. I know. Fantastic. Yeah. Happy. Yeah. Happy. Uh, almost end of winter, everybody. And uh, yeah. by all means, check out Vinfamous. I'm I'm super excited to uh, to listen to it and to see where the rest of the series is going. And congratulations again. I'm, it's 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 sounds wonderful. And I can't wait to dive in. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for the speakeasy this week. Check out Heritage Radio Network for so many more programs like this one. And until next week, y'all, I'm really happy to say uh, oh, happy almost spring also, Greg, and uh, and cheers to both of you. Cheers. Cheers. So you don't shun the devil with your rock. The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food and drink radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.